Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, a rare game day edition of the podcast. If you're looking to get in some last minute prep for this game, and by game, of course, we mean Clemson at Miami, TigerIllustrated.com is the place to be. Just put up some Saturday morning nuggets from Paul Strilo and I, and then of course the ever popular in-game thread is already up and running. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, You can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, to our interview with Reggie Merriweather, who phoned in from a balcony overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. Awesome conversation here with Reg. Here we go. All right, joined by Reggie Merriweather, who sounds like he's on a balcony overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. Is that right? <laughs> that is exactly right. So we're sitting right here on the uh, intercoastal, right here at the uh, East Hotel in uh, uh, East Miami, which is uh, really cool. It's uh, been a really cool place. Like Brickle is the name of this uh, neighborhood. But, uh, man, it's really nice, really nice. How far from the stadium? Uh, we're about uh, 30 minutes from the stadium, so we're uh, uh, south Miami, I guess, uh, south of uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, the place is called Brickle, and it's on uh, East Miami. So yeah, it's a really nice little area. Like you said, you can look out, see some of the ports, and uh, right here on the intercoastal too, some of the channels that go through the uh, neighborhoods and some of the sky rises. Man, it's uh, it's beautiful. What's the routine for Reggie Merriweather on a road game? Weekend? What do you do? You have a particular routine you stick to, or well, what's that like? Uh, well, I tell you what, uh, no particular routine. Uh, my travel buddy is usually Ben Milstead. Obviously, you know we travel with the team sometimes, so I uh, usually go out, uh, have dinner, and then uh, usually walk around and see what's open. Uh, and just again, not being a, uh, a player for so long, you, know, you travel to all these places, but you never get to be a part of the fandom so you know going around connecting with uh, you know former student athletes people who live in Miami travel 
to whatever game we go to, loyal fans, uh, just meeting some of those people at popular places, uh, spreading the $2 bills around, just, uh, just enjoying the atmosphere and uh, the game day vibe wherever we travel to. So um, usually that's what we do. And then the day of the game, like I said this morning, get breakfast, uh, you know, watch your ESPN and uh, focus in on uh, kind of what the Tigers need to do to uh, come up victorious. So you got in this trip, you flew in on Thursday? Yeah, I flew in on Thursday this time. Um, like I said, again, it's a little bit of a mini vacation. Uh, but, yeah, Miami has so much to experience. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things. We've been down here before, played a, in a couple of, like I said, bowl games in Orlando, played in a couple of games down here in Miami. But uh, just coming to experience just some of the culture and uh, just the, the water and, uh, like I said, the nightlife here, man, it's just amazing. All right, so what did you do Thursday and Friday night? Oh. Uh, Man, uh, <laughs> so we, we ended up we basically just going around trying different restaurants and uh, a couple of places on the water. Nice Italian spot we went to, which is really cool. Uh, and like I said, most of the places we, we've gone to have been right on the water. So boat watching, people watching, uh, it's just been an awesome experience. So belly full and, uh, you know, just uh, just been enjoying just the, the rich eats here and uh, just some of the views uh, throughout Miami. How late do you come in? I get, am I get, I, get, I might be getting too personal. <laughs> no, 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 not too personal. No. So, like I said, the first the first night, well, I think we stayed up till like ten or eleven. So, oh, you know, you're an old life, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nightlife really doesn't get kicked <laughs> off until you know midnight. But you know, like I said, long flight. Uh, woke up at uh, four. Flight was at seven. So, you know, we got here plenty of time to, uh, like I said, get lunch, get dinner, experience some of the stuff. Um, you know, and man, my gosh, some of the, the the bars and the hospitality here of people, and like I said, a lot of people don't uh, even know that there's a uh, game this weekend. They think it's uh, you know NFL, but uh, like I said, again, it's uh, it's been a great adventure thus far. But yeah, uh, got in last night about eleven thirty. That was late for us. So uh, like I said, just able to experience some of the uh, local spots. Uh, we got some great recommendations for some people that we met on Thursday. And uh, a place that we really enjoyed is called uh, is it SoCal. Uh, it's like a taco stand. As soon as we walked in, we got, uh, uh, you know, local vibes. So it's a small little uh, bar restaurant right outside of a bigger uh, bar and restaurant. And it's uh, just a couple of bar stools and, you know, a local taco place. Uh, you can go get street tacos there. Uh, got a nice T-shirt. Got a couple shots, a couple drinks. That was a really cool little deal. The hospitality. Like I said, again, here in Miami has been amazing. So uh, it's a really good time, a really good trip. A little birdie told me that you're a connoisseur of red wine and bourbon. <laughs> I'm a connoisseur of bourbon. I drink the wine for uh, moral support. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my, my girlfriend loves uh, wine, and um, I've been drinking it just because she orders it and somebody's got to drink it. So, you know, uh, but it's grown on me over the years. Uh, but the bourbon uh, is definitely my go-to. Um, so, like I said, you know, every time we go to Louisville, you know, we have to do the bourbon trail. Uh, just uh, check out some of the uh, different uh, uh, small little places that sell extravagant bourbons there. Uh, another story: uh, Ben and I went to uh, the boardwalk down there by the river, and we went to, to the KFC Arena, and then we ended up walking back up uh, to one of the little small little shopping centers and. 
we saw this bourbon place we walked into, and man, this guy had wall to wall bourbon. It was amazing. And so Ben and I ended up buying a, uh, a couple bottles of Weller and some uh, some other stuff there. But I mean, it was just an amazing trip and able to be able to find something as rare as what we found was actually really cool. So, you know, that's just another one of the stories of uh, Ben and Reggie on the road. But uh, like I said, it's just a, a really, really cool, uh, really cool thing to be able to, uh, like I said, experience that. And uh, like you said, when you go to different places, be able to just check out some of the culture and hospitality of the people there. All right. So if you had a, if you had to do a blind test between say, I don't know, a $60 bottle of bourbon and a $25 bottle of bourbon. Would you be able to tell the difference? Uh, I, yeah, I definitely would. So, uh, I, and I tell everybody this too. So, I mean, you like what you like regardless of the price. So, you know, you could go and buy, like we were talking about this last night, uh, you know, it's like tequila. You can go and buy a $1,000 bottle of tequila and it may be some smoky flavor, you know, that you don't like, but you could go get a, you know, a $30 bottle of Jose Cuervo <laughs> and sip on it and make it a mixed drink. It'd be the best thing you ever tasted. So, uh, yeah, you could definitely, you could definitely tell the difference with the, the bourbon and all the notes in it and all that good stuff. So my go-to is Basil Hayden. Uh, Angels Envy Rise good too. Angels Envy is good. It's all made by the same people. So, uh, like I said, I I, I enjoy uh, the mid tier stuff. You know, anywhere from uh, 50, 60, 70 bucks a bottle. Um, you know, but we have some. We do have some bottles. Like you said, that Weller that we got. You know, north of two hundred and it's still good. But uh, like I said, you can enjoy yourself with the the cheaper stuff. Uh, you know, without breaking the bank. So. You know, your taste buds after a couple won't even <laughs> won't even know the difference. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah, it's crazy, Reggie. We recently had uh, for my wife's birthday. We had a few close friends over, and we had a tequila tasting. And, oh wow! And one of the one of the friends brought he secretly brought a bottle of te- it was a tequila bottle but he poured the tequila out and poured some bourbon in it to see if anybody would notice that it was bourbon oh wow tricky nobody tricky. reggie <laughs> nobody actually one person said this kind of tastes a little like bourbony but otherwise <laughs> but other but otherwise the otherwise we're sitting there going oh this is more smoky than the other tequilas and nobody it's yeah, like yeah, it yeah. really I mean, I, I guess it. I guess it, it. It hits to what you said. Once you're, once you have, once you've tasted several, like your taste buds are kind of shot. But to me, it kind of reinforced that. Man, it's all branding, and it's mostly all. It's right. mostly all the same. It's just what you like yeah. ha- having in your hand. You know what looks better, what tastes better to you. Yeah, and what's crazy is I, I learned this not too long ago. So you know, obviously, uh, all the bourbons now, um, you know they. In any bourbon distillery, they cannot reuse the barrels, so they'll end up selling off the barrels to different companies. So you have your bourbon barrel wine, your bourbon barrel tequila, uh, all this type of stuff. They'll actually sell the barrels to these other companies, and they'll put their product in it, and it'll take on the notes of the, the whiskey. So like your char, uh, your your kind of caramelized flavoring, that type of stuff from the barrel, and that's where you get all these uh, other uh, different, uh, like you said, bourbon barrel beers, wines, tequilas, that type of stuff. But you're right, like you said, once you 
once you've had uh, one or two of, of something strong, then it, <laughs> the other stuff <laughs> kind of just moseys <laughs> on along with it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That's uh, and it, like I said, it, it's kind of one of those things. Is like uh, unless you drink it all the time, then you probably wouldn't know the difference. But like you said, that's that's pretty sneaky to have that uh, that tasting <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That person dump out tequila and put to, that's that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I mean, I've had Pappy before, and you know, Pappy. I don't know how much. What, what was that like? Four or five thousand dollars a bottle. I don't know what it is. I, I could be totally. Yeah, it's, you're right. You're right. It's, it depends on the year. So you got ten year, twenty year. So yeah, that's that. You're right along the price line. You're right. But like I, you know, we each had. I had like a little si- couple of sips. I would not be able to tell the difference between that and a and a fifty dollar bottle of bourbon at all. Not not even close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's what people. Uh, <laughs> I would say you, you like what you like, regardless of the price. I, I think a lot of people too uh, like. I mean, ceremonial bourbon. I mean, you could buy a um, uh, you know two thousand dollar bottle, open it for your wedding or some type of special occasion. Um, I know a lot of people hoard that type stuff, but, uh, you know, like I said, again, you want a nice bottle for a celebration, you know, wedding, birthday, something like that, then, yeah, deserve it. Go out and get you one, but you can have just as much fun with a bottle under 100 bucks. You know what I mean? So, like I said, you like what you like. Um, it's kind of one of the deals where, like you said, the branding, people get thrown off by, uh, you know, buying these expensive bourbons when basically, you know, once, once a um, – uh, bourbon manufacturer has met their bottle quota. They ended up slapping another label on the bottle, and they'll sell that Costco. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So I've heard, yeah, I've heard stories of that and some other stuff too for you know uh, bourbon bourbon manufacturers. But uh, yeah, it's uh, they definitely get you with the branding. They <laughs> they can get you to go out and spend some money for sure. Well, the best example of this is domestic beer, domestic pilsners. Like people will like probably literally fight over. You know what's better, Miller Light or Bud Light or whatever. That's all the same. Like there's, right? You, I mean, and I've, <laughs> I've I've done the taste test to prove it with like 20 people and nobody and everybody just bombs it, and it's just like, <laughs> I guess it's a good I guess it's a good excuse to to throw a party uh, uh, if, if if nothing else. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, what? So all right, you obviously have a day job. You're in construction, right? In Greenville. Tell everybody about what you're up to just away from the microphone and what your life is like just uh, just every, from an everyday perspective? Well, I've, I've been on the road the last couple of years. So the company I worked for was uh, actually O'Neill Engineering. So I, I just left that company and I'm with Carol Daniels Construction now out of Gainesville. So um, I, I stay on the road. Uh, you know, construction is everywhere but where you live. So um, I've been on the road here for the last uh, pretty much decade um, working in Tennessee, Georgia, uh, South Carolina a little bit, North Carolina, Tennessee, all over the southeast. Um, so I'm in quality control. Uh, I've been doing uh, uh, that for, like I said, about five years now. I'm in the QA world, which is uh, a little bit different, more heavy on the paperwork. But uh, I enjoy what I do, get to see some cool stuff. Uh, I've been in nuclear um, field for a while down at Savannah River. And then, like I said, I've been in commercial construction the last uh, about four years or some change. So um, it's not too crazy exciting. But uh, like I said, again, you get to meet some very interesting people, see some interesting things. And like I said, it's a lot of guys in this uh, industry in construction 
that are uh, have been doing it for years and years and years, and uh, you know it's kind of a, a dying uh, 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 dying breed, so to say. Um, so you know, a lot of kids are going to four year schools now. You don't have a lot of uh, uh, people come out out of uh, two year college uh, with a uh, welding certification, plumbing certification, electrician. You know, so you know the trades right now uh, very picky. Uh, very picky, and um, you know you've got a lot of older people cycling out, and fewer younger people getting into it. So that's why you have your demand is so high for good quality workers. But uh, like I said, away from the microphone, uh, doing the QA thing, QA, QA QC thing right now, uh, and just kind of enjoying life. Like I said, again, I've been on the road, been some cool places. Uh, last place I was at was in uh, uh, Kingsport, Tennessee, um, and that's where. Don Munson uh, is, I think he went to college right down the road from there. But, uh, but yeah, he's hooked me up with a couple of places to go up there and get good uh, uh, barbecue. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, just been kind of a, um, kind of a um, laid-back deal since I've gone with Carol Daniels. I'm in Gainesville now. And, uh, like I said, again, waking up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning for concrete and then staying up in the afternoon to watch people finish it. So, it's been a, been a pretty cool little deal. How far, when you, when you say you, you're traveling, you mean you, you go to Kingsport and stay there or go you commute like daily? or? Uh, yeah, I stay there. Yep, yep, yep. yep. All, of, all of my jobs are probably three plus hours away from the house. So, yeah, I usually stay there, stay there during the week, and then we travel for, for football on the weekend. Stay in a hotel, basically? Yep, stay in a hotel, yep. And you're, you're, you said you're waking up for cement? Yeah, so so this is crazy. So a lot of people don't know too. So concrete is uh, you know a bunch of materials that they put in a truck and then they dump it on the ground and it turns solid. So, but there's a lot more to it than what you think. So the optimal time to pour concrete is when the sun's not out, right? So you have time to finish it. Uh, if you have any issues, like I said, it's cooler during the night or the early mornings, so you don't have to uh, uh, rush and worry about. Uh, you know, concrete setting up on you. So again, it's it's easier to pour because there's no traffic on the road. It's cooler outside. Um, like I said, you have a lot more time to work with it when the sun's not out. So that's just a couple of things uh, that people really don't realize when you talk about concrete. So uh, you know, and, and concrete makes up probably I don't know sixty percent of you know construction. Mm. So and then you you know you put your metal on top of it and then you put your roof and then you have a building. So yeah, concrete is a pretty big deal. Did you did, did you uh, study for this career in college? Did did what, what was your degree in? <laughs> That's a great question. So my degree my degree is actually in uh, in uh, HR human resources. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, a little a little <laughs> a little <laughs> funny, a little crazy. Um, but uh, like I said, when I started this thing here. Um, I was uh, coming out come out of college. You know, I, I dabbled in the NFL for a little while. I was in San Diego for preseason, got cut, ended up moving back home, and then I uh, was trying to just kind of figure out what I want to do next. So, uh, every job that I applied for that had human resources on it, they told me I didn't have enough experience, and so I ended up uh, uh, going to working at Home Depot for a couple of months. And anyways, there was a uh, Clemson alumni that kept coming in there. And he said, what are you doing working here? I said, well, you know, the man's got to eat. So anyway, he ended up hooking me up with a job in construction. It was actually in uh, at Savannah River uh, uh, for a company called Shaw. 
And uh, like you said, again, it just kind of took off from there. Um, so I've been been basically doing it ever since. So that's uh, been, a, been an interesting journey for sure. So you think that fan just sort of took an interest in you? Like he just saw something in you and sort of felt like, you know, he, maybe if he persisted that, that you'd come – I'm just curious how that works. I mean, that's just obviously that's a part of a benefit of of playing football is sort of your you know your name and and being recognized as such. But I'm just curious to hear a little more about that. Yeah, so um, I I'm trying to remember his name right now. Uh, he actually played at Clemson. Uh, defensive lineman played back in the late '90s. Um, oh my gosh, I'm be remiss if I forget his name right now. But, uh, but yeah, so I actually played back in the late 90s. And uh, like I said, I got a call from him one day, and he was like, what do you got going on? And I said, you know, just, you know, just trying to find my way in the world, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, uh, you know, come, come work for me. So, anyways, uh, it just kind of blossomed from there. So, I said, really, really cool deal, man, to be, a, to be a part of. And like you said, the Clemson family kind of looking out for uh, one of their own, you know. Yeah, you. Um, what was it like for you, sort of transitioning into the real world, just sort of mentally? I mean, I know, yeah, that can be hard for a lot of guys because you've spent most of your life being defined by what you do on a football field and being better than almost everyone else on a football field. Just curious, what that process was like for you as you're trying to find sort of a a new identity so early in life. Well, I tell you what, man, it was uh, kind of a rude awakening. Um, you know, obviously you try to, I don't know, I want to say project, but just try to figure out what you've got going on, um, at, after football. So nowadays, you know, you've got, uh, you know, people there on campus, uh, to kind of, you know, help you with NIL, kind of help you with, uh, everything else. And it's like, uh, you know, back in the Tommy Bowden days, we really didn't have that, um, you didn't have that support system, if that makes any sense. So for, you know, a guy to come out uh, back then, you know, he'd go back home and just like, uh, you know, <laughs> what are you, uh, you going to do for the rest of your life? You got this degree, you play ball, and it's kind of all you knew how to do was play football, you know. So, But I think the support system now for those kids, man, is just through the roof. You know, we, we had uh, – Jeff Davis and a bunch of people in the, in the front office to kind of talk to, but we didn't really have anybody to go to as far as, you know, getting a job and, you know, uh, the next step, you know what I mean? Yeah. So now, yeah, now they've got a whole support system. They've got a whole staff. They've got everybody, you know, with the, uh, called the Mr. Program and, and the, uh, uh, the, I forget the, uh, the other one that they have now that, uh, Paul Richard Hall, yeah, they, yeah, Paul Journey, Rashard Hall, and all them over. So, man, it's just amazing to see uh, just the outreach that these guys, obviously the former players, you know, with their connections with the NFL and all these Fortune 500 companies that are around Greenville, Clemson, Anderson, uh, you know, Charlotte, uh, Atlanta, uh, be able to say, hey, you know, you guys uh, understand football's, you know, not forever, but, uh, but you know, uh, you, you know, you take your shot where you can, and uh, you know, let's 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 help you build your resume. Let's get you some life skills, some stuff that's going to help you uh, outside of football. So, 
I think they've done an amazing job with that. And um, I give them kudos, man, because like I said, you go back up there now, and I've even tried to get my company uh, to go recruit some of those guys, man. It just, it really is uh, heartfelt, um, like I said, to see that happening. But, you know, going back to when I was there, you know, Tommy Bowden, you know, you had uh, Terry Don Phillips there. Um, you had a, a good support staff for academics, but outside of the football, you really didn't have uh, uh, anything to kind of lean on to. So, again, you know, trying to find your way, uh, moving back home, uh, you know. And that time when I came out, it was 2000, you know, 2007, 2008, we had the huge uh, market crisis and the housing uh, market just took a tank. So that was part of the reason, too, it was kind of hard to find a job. But at the same time, you didn't really didn't have people that were um, – like you said, from the football office standpoint, uh, reaching out, trying to get you linked up with, uh, you know, uh, people in the upstate that, you know, had businesses and stuff that you could come work for. So, um, like I said, again, um, just trying to find yourself, um, you know, life skills, uh, <laughs> that type stuff. And it's kind of uh, people really, uh, I don't know, it just kind of one of the things you, you start working and you're so caught up in working, making a paycheck that you just kind of forget what you want to do and what makes you happy. So that was kind of my deal. Like I was just working. And then, like I said, this guy came along and was like, Hey, uh, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be working here. You should be doing something different. And so, uh, like I said, that's how I kind of got stuck and we went from there. So what were you doing at home Depot? Uh, what was that now? What were you doing at home Depot? Oh, man. So a little bit of everything. So I, I really enjoyed that job. Home Depot is one of the best jobs I've ever had. Uh, so I was in the, um, um, what is it, the, the, like the tool department. Um, and I, I actually applied for department head, but uh, they denied me. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I left. But I tell everybody, man, Home Depot is, uh, and like Lowe's, is home improvement company. So, I mean, you could go in there and walk around for hours and not find what you need. But if you get a guy or a uh, lady or a sales associate that's dedicated and that kind of knows the store and knows what you need, hey, you could be in and out of there in 10 minutes and have everything that you ever wanted for your project. So, uh, like I said, I enjoy that job. I tried to get on at a couple of corporate places, but like I said, again, my resume <laughs> was a little light. So uh, they said thanks, but no thanks. But, uh, yeah, uh, Home Depot is an amazing company, uh, amazing brand. Obviously, I shop there now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was in the tool department. Um, I pretty much worked the whole store, uh, forklift driver, uh, sales associate, garden expert, whatever you needed, you came to me and I'd get you set up. Was this in North Augusta? I uh, uh, no, it was in Aiken. Aiken. Actually in Aiken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, actually in Aiken. So, like I said, it was a, it was a cool little deal. And it's kind of one of those things too, man. I worked there with a bunch of, uh, um, uh, I don't know, uh, met some good friends there, a bunch of just guys, college kids, man, that were just trying to make a living. So uh, we made fun of it in our opportunities. Uh, we actually got written up a couple of times because we, uh, we wrote on our aprons, and so you can't have any type of uh, – <laughs> so you can't have any type of uh, uh, writing on your apron. And so, like I said, man, we uh, just made fun with it. Every day we'd wear a different apron and it'd have something else on it. Like mine would have the bear on it or something like that or, uh, you know, just something funny. So customers would, you know, read it and laugh and all that good stuff. So we had fun with it. Uh, you know, it was just kind of one of those things, you know, like I said, working, working uh, minimum wage gig. It was just, uh, you know, trying to find things. 
time fly by. So, but it was good. I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. That was a great experience. You know, your experience coming through Clemson football at a different time, as you said, I think that really hits on the difference between then and now in that you just said you got your degree in human resource development, but at that time it was more of a, you know, they're just sort of, I don't want to say processing football players, but it's like, okay, we, well, you got your degree, and that's pretty much where all the emphasis is. What's well, great to brag about how many guys have gotten their degrees, but what have you done for them to help them make something yeah. out of those yeah. degrees? And so exactly what you're seeing now is, like, if you came out now, you would probably have had internships over the summer and all this other stuff to really make that degree work to the point where, you know, you would have had experience before you even get that degree. Is, is that That's the picture that I sort of see now that they're doing with all of it so fleshed out with that support system that the players have now. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And so I, I, <laughs> that's a good, good thought you brought that up. Uh, so, you know, you talk to players now, and I'd like to use uh, a couple people as an example. Darren Rencher. You know, Darian Rencher. Sorry, I said his name wrong. Darian Rencher is one of those guys that, uh, you know, obviously had a little playing time at Clemson. But you look at him now, and he's got his own company started now. He's got his own brand. He's got, uh, you know, obviously married kids, blah, blah, blah. But he's really successful. And you look at his podcast, and what do you think? what he has going now and uh, the people that he has on the podcast. I mean, the kid is he's rocking it out, man. And this new, uh, you know, social, uh, social platform age, man, he's, uh, he's really done well for himself. And, uh, you know, you always see him promoting his brand, uh, you know, uh, going to games, um, all that type stuff. I just think that's really cool. I think it's really cool for him to be a part of uh, something bigger than, Clemson itself and then Clemson football, but he's used that platform, you know, to, uh, you know, escalate his career and uh, just so proud of him and what he's become and what he's done. So it's just really cool. Are you no longer on the balcony? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds I, I, much better. I came in. It sounds... Yeah, I, I came in. It was, it was a little windy. Yeah, it was a little windy, so I came in. So, all right. How, all right, how, many, how many years, what, what year is this for you doing the broadcast uh, thing? Uh, this is year six, I believe. It's either five or six doing the broadcast. What was your first season? Uh, I think first season was 20. It was right after, um, yeah, right after they won the national championship, I think in 2016. Okay, so 17. when I started. Yeah. So this would be, well, that would, if it was 17, that would be your seventh season. 17, 18. Okay, so seventh season, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious how it's evolved, how your comfort with that has, has evolved. I mean, it's just such a, it's not something you can really prepare for. Um, you just have to sort of go do it and get comfortable, you know, doing it. Um, what's that process been like? Like, what were you like at the beginning as far as how you were sort of handling it and viewing it and how is it different from now when you're preparing for a game and when you're actually giving your insight from the sidelines? <laughs> well, I tell you what, the, the whole sideline gig was, uh, was pretty awesome. So obviously COVID happened. 
and then I got promoted to the booth. But uh, oh, you're you're you you're know. permanently in the booth now. Yeah, permanently in the booth. I'm sorry, now, man. I, sh- I should have just... known that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's cool. That's cool. Like I said, a lot of people don't know. They say, "Well, you're still doing the, uh, you know, you're the color analyst, right? You're on the sideline." I said, "You know, I was on the sideline, and COVID happened, and then they booted everybody off the field." Oh, so, I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's like I said, it's been a really cool deal, man. I've uh, enjoyed myself, but yeah, the pre- pre- preparation for sideline versus uh, in the booth, sitting beside the great uh, Tim Bray and Don Munson, man, it's totally different. So, you know, <clears throat> you know, before the games and I was on the sideline, you know, we talk about big plays and they'd come down to me, you know, during uh, turnovers, that type of stuff. But now, you know, sitting up in the booth, you know, really got to do your research. Uh, but after the, you know, the first couple of games, you can kind of settle down, learn all the new names. Uh, you know, it took forever to learn a row, 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 and uh, <laughs> DJ, <laughs> DJ, we So, you know, it took some time to, uh, uh, you know, figure that out. But other than that, man, like I said, it's, it's just been incredible working with, uh, you know, Sanford, Ben, uh, Tim and Don, uh, it's been a really good, really good crew. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. Those guys have really helped me along. Uh, first couple of years, man, they, <laughs> you know, Ben have to, you know, text me, call me, because they, you know, they get to the games, uh, you know, five hours earlier. You know, they have to text me and call me and say, hey, man, we're on in 30 minutes, but where are you at? Would you get lost or whatever? So that's uh, pretty, been a running <laughs> been a running joke for last couple of years, uh, you know, being late to the broadcast, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it's just been exciting. And like I said, now, you know, having to, you know, look through all of the, the social media, and uh, look through all the ESPN stuff, the game day notes, all that good stuff, man. That's a, that's a part of it now. So a little different prep, but uh, still fun, still enjoyable. And uh, like you said, man, just happy to be part of the, the game day with these guys, uh, which is a really, really good, solid crew. I'm always amazed at sideline reporters, whether TV, radio, or whatever, that they can see enough because it's so hard to see plays develop, at least for me, when you're at ground level. And so you hear somebody like Tom Luganbill, who's on ESPN, he's a sideline guy. And right after the play ends, he'll say, all right, now watch how this guard peels to the, gets to the second level and then, and then, and then walls off the linebacker. And then that allows the tight end to, to, to do a little slip here. And I'm just like, how does he see this in real time? Did you, are you, (laughs) do you, are you able to see things a lot better from the box versus the sideline? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think the, the, the crazy thing is about it too. You've got, uh, was it, uh, the replay, uh, the, usually the replay officials, um, usually sit in the booth beside us on like, so some of the away games. So if, excuse me, if something does happen, you can look beside you and see what they're reviewing. And then that's kind of something easy to talk about right there. And then, uh, you know, they've got something else. Uh, going on whether it be like a face mask or you know just stuff that they would normally you know review in the booth you could always see it so i thought that was pretty cool and then like i said you've got uh um all the knowledge there uh just with you know don and tim just being a a part of uh, you know they've got what 50 years of experience uh between the two of them so it's just crazy to like you said again the, the wealth of knowledge that those guys have so um you know, just kind of leaning on them to kind of see, okay, when there's a flag or somebody was holding or something like that, that's that's a big part of it too. So, like I said, just uh, kind of leaning on them, and then oh, sometimes you sometimes you see stuff too. Like I said, I mean, <laughs> you can watch a whole develop 
from up top, you know what I mean? So it's a little bit easier to see from up top versus the sideline. But, you know, you kind of get the vibe of the game, you know, sitting on the sideline. Or you can hear the coaches yelling or players yelling or whatever it is, talking to their teammates. So that's that's really the big difference, man, just the, the vibe of the game from, you know, the field versus, you know, sitting up in the booth where you can see more of the uh, action that's going on. When does your when do your responsibilities start? Like when are you supposed to be there at the beginning, and when when do they end? Is it is it right? Uh, do you have to hang around for a little while after the game ends and talk about it? I'm just curious for the time frame of, of before and then after. Uh, usually, uh, so usually you're what two hours before kickoff, uh, so we have stuff going on. Um, that's usually when when things start about two hours before. Um, but like I said, we, uh, <laughs> we do a good job of, um, like I said, keep it in, uh, keep it in touch. Uh, like I said, if, if we're doing something special for the day, uh, we may have to come a little earlier, but other than that, like I said, it's, um, you know, it's, it's nothing too crazy. Now, Ben Milstead, who's our onsite engineer, man, he, he shows up early. So he's there, <laughs> he's there, uh, like I said, five, six hours before, before kickoff starts. Which uh, which is crazy, but uh, you know he's got to get everything set up. He he takes care of everybody too. So yeah. What's your routine before you show up? Do you go tailgate? What what what's your normal? Um, like I said, it just depends on what we got. Depends on what we got going on. So I'll normally, like you said, yeah, I'll normally you know hang out for a little bit. Uh, I'll maybe go tailgate once in a blue moon. Uh, home games, like I said, we um, uh, usually will will park and and, and tailgate. Uh, so uh, you just have a good time there. But, uh, yeah, usually on the road, just depends on what we've got going on. Um, it's uh, sometimes easier, to, like I said, to link up with people if you know they're coming in, coming in town. So I uh, can do that there. Um, but, like, so most, most of the time, you know, just uh, like I said, if you're on the road, get some food for the game or either just go to the booth early, man, and, you know, you see some people, like, uh, catch up with uh, James Davis, C.J., some of the coaches down the field before the game. So, um, you know, just maybe do a little bit of that. Nothing nothing too crazy during uh, during games. It's so funny, some of the maybe notions that fans have of of our routines, and I say our, meaning, I mean, we're both doing work, you know, during the games. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, Larry, what are you uh, – What's your tailgate routine? Are you just like throwing back <laughs> beers and eating wings like the rest of us? And I'm like, no. I if I did that, I would be really bad at my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's uh, like I said. We 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 like to have a good time because, like I said, we'll we'll go out the uh, day before and hang out. But uh, other than that, like I said, we won't have much going. So the game day prep, like I said, we'll watch uh, game day for these late games. We'll go out, watch game day. Um, we've got some friends that came out of Miami, too. So we'll go find them uh, at the tailgate, hang out for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll go in. And then, uh, like you said, just kind of, you know, kind of check the vibe. And this is interesting, too, because uh, the Dolphin Stadium, obviously, is not on the Miami campus. So, you know, and they share a, a stadium, right? They share a stadium with the Dolphins, correct? Yes. Yeah, it's hard hard rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, it's, it's not on campus. So just get different different vibe, different feel uh, when you're down here because, you know, students usually show up early for the games here. I think it's like a 20 or 30-minute drive from uh, the campus. So, uh, like I said, again, it's uh, just, just a different feel here. Uh, so, again, we'll, we'll uh, you know, 
walk around, probably get the game uh, about three, four hours earlier and just kind of just check the scene and study our notes and then get ready for kickoff. What's it like travel? You travel both with the team and then on your own, I guess it varies uh, depending on, I guess, how whatever however much space they have on the charters. What's it like? Right. What's it like traveling with the team? Oh, man. Uh, it's actually really cool because you get to see some of your favorite players. Uh, you get to see some of the old coaches, some of the guys that I played with. Like I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Nick Eason's there. Uh, I mean, heck, half the coaching staff is guys that I played <laughs> with uh, back in the day. So it's, it's really cool to see some of those folks uh, get to see uh, wives, kids, that type of stuff. Um, so, but it's a business trip for them. So, you know, it's a uh, suit and tie on the plane. And, uh, you know, it's not a lot of rah-rah uh, uh, going on. It's all business. So uh, it's just different. Now, traveling, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, by myself on my own dime, it's, uh, you know, a little bit more laid back, relaxed. You kind of don't have a schedule so you can do whatever you need to when you need to. So I said the major difference is uh, just kind of having that time uh, for yourself and um, being able to uh, have a structured if you want to stop somewhere and go see something, you can. Can't do it on the uh, the team the team plane or the team bus. So that's uh, but it's really cool. Like I said again, to be able to travel with them and just see some of the old friends and stuff too, man. Like I said, being able to catch up and reconnect, especially with the uh, old family and friends. So that's it's a pretty cool deal. But they're definitely it's business for them. So it's uh, it's gets down to the nitty gritty. As you look back at getting this job, this role, what did you do to set yourself up? to put yourself in position to, to get this job? Well, I'll tell you what, man, I had a bunch of uh, recommendations too. You know, Patrick Sapp uh, uh, gave me a good recommendation and then a couple other people did as well. And like I said, it was uh, really cool. So obviously, you know, we've done a couple of pregame shows, uh, you know, uh, the, what was it called? Uh, uh, my gosh, I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, Roy Philpott uh, had me on a couple of times too. Um, doing the Legends of the Valley, that type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, doing a couple of pregame shows. And like I said, again, I had a couple of good recommendations by uh, some people that were on the staff too. And uh, like I said, just jumped in and started going from there. So it's just, like I said, it's a really cool gig uh, to be a part of. I think a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, once you're done playing football, that's all you kind of think about for a while. So it's awesome to be a part of the football program without actually being a part of the staff, that makes any sense. So, you know, I can enjoy uh, watching the game. I can enjoy my time around the game, but not have to be um, uh, locked down to the game. That makes any sense. So, like I said, I I really enjoy my time and uh, enjoy the people I'm around. And like I said, again, such a wealth of knowledge with Don and Tim uh, being there, which is just really cool. So, uh, yeah, just awesome to be part of it. Upstate folks, and particularly Clemson area folks, there's a great tradition that's been going on recently in Westminster. The Music on Main Free Music Festival in downtown Westminster. I can vouch for it, having played there and also attended on several occasions. It's put on by the Westminster Music Center, a nonprofit organization with the mission of promoting the joy of live music in the community. Tonight, October 21st, will feature two bands, the Songs from the Road Touring Band and 
my band, Amongst the Trees, although I won't be there because I have to work. Classic car show starts at 3, concert starts at 5. More info, go to westminstermusiccenter.org. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Upstate foodies, want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willie Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine Magazine are raving about Willie Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails. Super fresh margaritas, ice cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willie Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky, fresh fusion. It's the Willie way. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. How do you balance during a game uh, those connections and those relationships and that loyalty and I mean obviously you you're working for the flagship station this is the this is their network their broadcast how do you balance those connections with you know what I'm gonna call it like I see it is that a tough balance absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's uh it's tough watching uh you know uh, your team which you know, love dearly, struggle so much, especially beginning of the year. I, I just, it's kind of, like I said, it's, it's hard to explain. They've, they've had to, they've had to talk to me in the booth sometime about not throwing my headset. Cause you see stuff that's <laughs> like, man, what are we, what are we doing? And obviously, you know, we've struggled. We Clemson has struggled a good bit and it's just, you know, self-inflicted wounds and, you know, kind of watching just in general, um, you know, like you said, man, you know, coach, coach says we should be, we're three plays from being uh, undefeated. Yeah, we're three plays from being undefeated, but look at the games that we played in and look at the stuff that we did. We just, we didn't look, we didn't look good uh, a lot this season. And it's a, a, a part of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. And it just, we were so good the last few years being a part of what we're a part of now. And it's like, man, you know, what are we doing uh, as a coaching staff, as a team? You know, a lot of people on, on the internet are like, man, you know, the Jimmy's and Joe's are no longer there. Why are we struggling? Why we have these such and such kids doing this type, blah, blah, blah. So it's really hard uh, to separate yourself again with uh, friends being, um, you know, on the, the, the coaching staff and, you know, some of the players, that type of stuff. It's really been hard to uh, see the season, what we've gone through this year, and how much we've struggled. But at the same time, it's uh, you know, it's uh, 
what do you call it? Uh, uh, kind of a wake up call. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it should be kind of a wake up call to uh, all the Clemson folks to say, hey, you know, <laughs> this is the this is still this is still a good football team. Um, we still got a lot going on for ourselves. Uh, we don't need to give up hope. And like Dabo was saying the other day, you know, maybe we need to lose some bandwagon fans. So, you know, if you if you made it through the Tommy Bowden era, you can make it through this <laughs> two game skid that <laughs> Clemson's going through. You know, now, you know, obviously you're not playing for a national title this year, but uh, you know, you've had a you've had a little fall off. So, you know, there's no need to, uh, I guess, go in the ditches. Um, you know, on the team. But uh, just realizing that, you know, these are young kids and, you know, everybody makes mistakes and we can, you know, we can finish out the season strong and, and uh, win some games. And like I said, again, it's, it's going to be okay. So, but, you know, long story short, uh, you know, I've, I've thrown my headset a couple of times. I've, I've probably said some things that I probably shouldn't have, but, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's frustrating to see how good this team <sighs> how good how good this young team is and it's got a lot of upside and a lot of people just don't realize how young the team is right now um and everybody keeps comparing the kids to former players and you just can't do that so you know that's the the hardest part about it is just you know kind of calming yourself and realizing that uh these are 18 19 20 year old kids and uh you know like Dabo says, best as a standard, but we're working on the standard right now, kind of reinventing ourselves, reinventing the, the team and the way they work together. So got some young stars out there that are that are coming uh, together. So just gotta gotta keep pushing. All right, everybody listening to this is gonna be dying to know when did you throw the headsets? <laughs> oh, oh wow! Well, we can, I mean, we can go back. We can go back to a couple of games. I mean, you think about uh, was it uh, last year in the double overtime at Wake Forest? Uh, toss one then. Uh, toss one at South Carolina. Uh, let's see here. There's been there's been a couple of games. So uh, Duke, Duke for sure. Uh, you know, false start inside the the, yep. the five, and then a, two fumbles inside the five, and I'm just like, man, my gosh. But again, it's it's uh, you know. You know, being a former player and, like you said, again, just having that passion for the game. And it's the simple mistakes, right? It's the stuff, the little stuff that adds up to the big stuff. So, uh, um, you know, just uh, kind of eats at you. But, again, like you said, it's it's kind of one of those things, like you said, we were talking about earlier, just seeing stuff from the booth. I was like, man, a guy's running wide open down the scene. Throw it to him. Uh, you know, check your reads. What are you looking at? And one of the things, I, I do that, that just chapped me so much last year, which was a young quarterback mistake, again, just being young, as uh, Cade not reading his offensive line. Like, you got to understand, offensive linemen are taught not to give up the inside. The reason why they're not taught to get up the inside is so you could have a pocket to throw from or run from. So, again, you know, if the offensive line is working hard to create that pocket and you're running backwards trying to get out of the pocket, I said, man, just step up, take the throw, take the check down, you know, don't throw in a triple coverage. Just read your keys and just, you know, work the game plan. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I had on him. So I did throw my headset a couple times during that Tennessee game because I, I saw a young quarterback struggle uh, in the simple stuff. And so, you know, that's, uh, that's just, just hard, especially, you know, how good the kid is. Hard to watch. So, yeah. Has Ben had to repair any of these headsets? 
Uh, <laughs> no, he but he's he scolded me several times, and uh, he'll he'll cut my mic off too. So he, he'll cut my mic off too. Uh, and like I said again, that uh, they made a soundbite of it uh, last year. It's a pick because uh, I screamed it on the headset. Uh, you know when Sam Hartman just dropped back and just launched one to the end zone. So. Uh, yeah, they made fun of me all year last year. But anyways, yeah, he's uh, he's he he has my uh, his hand on the button for the for the mute for my mic for sure. Uh, but uh, like I said, it's just kind of one of those things too, man. Just passionate about the game, and, you know. Um, and some of the running backs too. Like I said, if somebody misses a block or something like that, I, I've been said to uh, you know uh, say some words through the mic. But uh, you know, again, I'm just excited for the team and excited to be a part of the. You know the game day processions, and like I said, this is a young team, so they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna have some moments. Uh, but yeah, if I was at home watching my TV, I'd be saying the same thing too. So I'm not not too ashamed about it. I had some friends who were listening to the radio broadcast late in the Florida State game, and they said, "Man, um, the 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 broadcast was was really voicing its displeasure." When uh, they started to slow things down there late in regulation, sort of almost it looked like they were trying to set up the field goal. And I did some further, further digging and heard it was you who was like, you're like, what are we doing? I, can you just take me back to that sequence? And, and, and as you're trying to sort of control your emotions, but also tell the truth as you see it. Oh, well, let's take a Let's take a step back further than that. Let's go the week of. Uh, so. It's, which is crazy to me. So, you know, Dabo goes on his, uh, you know, uh, regular media day. I think it was Tuesday or may, might have yeah. been Monday. And he said he was bringing in a, another kicker, uh, a guy who kicked for him uh, past years. And, uh, you know, um, he was in online classes and, you know, they're going to bring him in to kind of help the team out. So in my eyes, I'm just like, what? So, you know, you've got uh, – <laughs> You know, a guy who didn't do summer camp, who didn't do uh, fall camp, uh, didn't do spring drills with the team. So you're going to bring him in uh, to help you guys kick uh, game time situation. And I'm just thinking to my head, like Dabo said, it's going to be the, be the best thing or the worst thing. And I'm thinking this is the worst thing because, <laughs> first of all, you've got a kicker who's been here, what, two years now kicking? And, you know, he's got some struggles. Maybe they, you know, try to, uh, uh, you know, fix his timing or try to correct his steps on the kick or something. I don't know. Kickers are fickle, you know, so you can't just go and, uh, you know, tell them, all right, take two steps and kick. Uh, They've got a whole routine. They wear the same underwear, same socks. They have the same (laughs) shoes. Uh, You know, they're they're very fickle. So you can't can't just tweak one thing and expect it not to you know, affect other things. So anyways, long story short, we get down. I think we're, uh, we're up at one point. Anyways, it comes down to a kick. No, they, okay. Florida state scores. So we're down. I think we're down two. anyways. We have a great drive and we don't take any shots to the end zone the entire time. Not a shot to Collins, Brown, anybody. I said, man, you got these big time, uh, tight ends that we boast so much about. Put them one on one with the linebacker in the slot and just take a shot to the end zone, and see what happens. But no, we run the ball. We have an ill-advised, uh, uh, what was it, uh, screen pass to the sideline. Well, that Chase, was overtime. Uh, that was overtime. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, that's well, that was overtime. But yeah. I'm just like, man, what what are we doing? It's fourth quarter. 
I think we had like two or three minutes to go. And it was like, man, go to win the game. What are we, what are we padding our feet for trying to uh, go for a field goal when we have a kicker who <laughs> I just, I, they're still yeah. mind blown yeah. about every, I mean, why would you bring it? Why would you put that kicker in that situation when he hasn't been there all year? He basically just fresh off the boat and you put him in to win a game. So uh, I just, just bad taste in my mouth. And not only for the, the guy that they brought in to kick, but uh, I forget the kid's name who's kicking now. But, uh, yeah, you, you think about all the time that he's put in. Yes, he had a rough start to the season. Yes, he had a kick block. You know, there's a lot of excuses there. But, you know, you want somebody to go more into the tank, that's what you do. You go replace him with a, a person who hasn't been on the team. So, uh, again, in my eyes, if I'm that uh, young kicker right now, uh, Clemson's not my place to be. So as soon as the portal opens, I'm, I'm gone. Uh, and that's just a, you know, a fact of the game. Uh, you know, I, I even went through that situation when CJ and James came in, you know what I mean? I didn't play for a long time, you know, uh, I think I missed like six or seven games, but, uh, it's kind of one of those things, man, these are young guys and kickers are, like I said, are so fickle. It's going to be in his head for a while. And, uh, you know, uh, you, know you just, you just don't bounce back from something like that. And, uh, yeah, that's just kind of one of those crazy things that, uh, <laughs> you know, there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from that. So, Yeah, to your point of not taking any shots to the end zone, the most egregious thing is that because Florida State's in zero coverage that whole time during the – Yeah. Uh, b- both those possessions, the last possession of regulation and also the, the, uh, the first and only possession of overtime, they are begging you to take a shot. I mean, one-on-one coverage, no safety, nothing. And – I mean, how many times in the past would that have been just like something Clemson does in its sleep? You just throw it yeah, up, let them go get just it. Just throw it up. So that, so again, I, I think the most stressful thing is watching our wide receiver group this year try to perform. So you know, Brown has been uh, amazing. Who's a, a freshman? Uh, Stiletto, who's healthy now, has been amazing. But the most tenured guys uh, have not shown up. Uh, I think. Bo Collins would have got benched for three games uh, in my eyes if I was a coach because he celebrated on the 20 against Charleston Southern going in to score. I mean, I would have just ripped him. He would have, he would have sat for at least a game. I would have just ripped him up and down. Like, you have not arrived. You're not that guy. And, uh, you know, to show that unsportsmanlike, you know, conduct against a team who, <laughs> who made the game close anyways uh, in the first half is just ridiculous to me. But anyways, neither here nor there. But I just think that uh, when you start talking about uh, a team that uh, has shown sparks of greatness, but then they just fumble on the small stuff, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. And that's, you know, uh, I think we have the, the players to, to, to be great. They're young, yes. But like I said, again, some of the mistakes that we've made have been been critical coaching errors. And uh, like I said, young coaching staff too. A lot of these guys are handpicked by Dabo. But, uh, you know, they've got a lot of upside, but just, man, just young team, young young staff. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it shows. It shows in some critical, critical times. So if I'm, if I'm the, the OC and this is my first time with this young team, I'm trying to be as cutthroat as possible. So I'm running uh, fakes. I'm running all type of stuff to let this team know that, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to settle, uh, you know, 
just by winning by seven or three or two or one. Like we're going to outscore anybody and everybody. And, uh, you know, that's just a mentality you got to have. So I, I, I put it to you like this. So when Brent Venables was here, if somebody missed a tackle or missed an assignment, he was halfway on the field with their face mask in his hand, you know, in their hand, uh, basically reaming them. Now you don't see that. It's more laid back, I guess. Uh, not saying that it's, you know, a bad thing, but at the same time, you know, there's 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 not that type of killer instinct on this team yet. And it's just probably because they're young, you know. You've only got one what senior offensive lineman, you got one senior wide receiver, uh, a couple seniors on defense, but, you know, it's just a young team. So maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that's a part of it. But, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, <laughs> Uh, talking about just, uh, uh, I don't know, just again, you could go through the, all the games this season and pick out one or two plays that, you know, it's just like, man, if I was a the coach, what would I do to that kid? But, you know, just young. Kids just young, man. Team's just young. So you're going to have some of that stuff. Of course, the Bo, Bo Collins, not young, and he's still almost <laughs> – I mean, lucky the ball should have got – had the guy swipe the you – know, all he had to do was poke the ball away. It would have been a – Fumble through the end, lost fumble through the end zone. It would have been even more embarrassing. Um, yeah, and, yeah and man, he, that's, that's just crazy. And then you know, it's totally fair to say this team is only a few plays away from being undefeated. But it's also fair to say they're a few plays away from being two and four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. You know, Syracuse dropped a couple of balls that could have been pick sixes. Would have been likely pick sixes, I think. Um, and then Wake Forest, you score 17 points at home, uh, you're flirting with disaster there. So, uh, you know, interesting, I had Jad Dean on last week, and so this is a very good sort of segue to you in that, you know, Jad has – he spent years trying to get over uh, the missed field goal against South Carolina in 06, just torturing himself. Um Thankfully, he's now able to look back and laugh about it as he talks about the trauma that that inflicted. But the most fascinating thing that came from my interview with Jad was the reaction to that interview and to his self-torture about the missed kick, the reaction from fans on our message board. Nine fans, nine subscribers out of ten said, I don't even remember the kick. I remember they took Reggie out. They're still pissed about that. <laughs> still pissed. That's what they remember. And so I just uh, – uh, it's interesting because, you know, I, I mean, that people are – I guess are, they, they can understand a missed kick, but they cannot understand uh, yanking you out of the game when the crowd is, is chanting your name. Well, I tell you what, man, if I had a dollar for every time, buddy, that would, uh, <laughs> that would be something – because uh, every everywhere you go, man, people people still talk about it. So uh, I just I just think it's funny. And what's even funnier in that situation, like I said, uh, we didn't really talk about it um, at the uh, end of that game. Uh, it was kind of one of those things where you know, everybody just kind of somberly uh, left the locker room. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a big deal. It was a big deal not only to to me, but you know, being a senior, but, you know, to my family, obviously, um, you know, it's a lot of things that uh, probably should have been done differently. Um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was just rough. And anyways, like you say, coming off of a, a big game, um, 
skid like we did. Um, I, I think we, yeah, I think we won the game before that. But anyways, coming home and I think South Carolina. Um, trying to think, were they uh, were they fighting for a bowl game? No, no, no. I think they were already bowl eligible at that point. But uh, but yeah, just try to uh, <laughs> you know fight for a win. Um, you know, obviously senior season, you want to go out with the bang and uh, not being able to kind of finish uh, what you started um, as far as, uh, you know, not going to South Carolina, choosing Clemson, um, you know, trying to uh, cap off your senior season with eight wins, uh, you know, just all the stuff, um, you know, you can think about that was on your your board, your list to do in the off season while you were training. But I just think it's funny because uh, after talking with uh, uh, Coach Burns and um, I didn't talk to Coach Bowden for a while. I mean, it was like legit. I didn't talk to him for a while, and then uh, ended up going to um, Tennessee for that bowl game, and we get absolutely beat down by Kentucky. Um, I went on to take a couple of visits, a couple of teams in the NFL, and I will I'll remember forever. Remember this? I was at the Chicago Air Airport. And uh, I had a missed call from an A64 number. So ended up calling it back, and it was Tommy. And we talked for about uh, five minutes as I was, you know, walking through the airport waiting for my limo and all that good stuff. And then he said everything, but I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, if there's anything to do for you, just let me know. So that was that was heartfelt. But uh, like I said, again, man, you know, you train so hard uh, for something. And, uh, you know, you talk about all this finishing the drill and, doing all this type stuff but when it really came down to it man we we couldn't get the job done and it was uh you know just surreal so um you know jad dean had a had a lot on his hands i know he had a uh, uh, bit of an issue man having to go to like therapy and all that type stuff and so you can imagine how i felt <laughs> and you'll never you'll you'll never hear me complain but uh it was rough it was almost like having a, a prize fighter and it's like you know what we're not gonna let you uh, finish this round we're gonna put somebody else in and you know having to sit there and watch you know your team go down in flames when you definitely could have helped have been a part of it so uh but you know left a bad taste in my mouth for a long time but that's football that's football that's just a, a part of it and uh you know you uh you're gonna have those ups and downs and just like you're gonna have in life so you know just gotta be be better for it and uh you know just just hope that uh you know, when your time is called uh, off the field, um, that you can be, uh, you know, ready for your opportunity. So, um, like I said, again, I think it's a funny thing because every time that I meet people now, they'll either ask me what happened in that South Carolina game or <laughs> or why it happened in that South Carolina game. So I just think that's really funny. What did Tommy say to you over the phone when you were at Chicago Airport? Ah, nothing. We were just talking about the team and – you know, how uh, things were, were going to be the next year and all that type stuff. And then uh, obviously talking about, uh, uh, you know, my opportunity uh, with, uh, I think I was visiting the Bears, and then I had another one set up too. Um, he asked me how the Hula Bowl went because obviously I went to uh, Hawaii for that. And uh, that's just about it. It was just, uh, you know, two guys on the phone, uh, you know, shooting the, you know, just – chit-chatting so like i said it was a little little surreal so um you know just just two guys on the phone just talking about life man you felt like you deserved an apology uh 
I wouldn't say deserved an apology. Uh, I would just say, man, you know, it's uh, so Tommy and I had a weird relationship. So um, Tommy's one of those guys, like I said, again, I got recruited by Rick Stocksteel, and uh, they basically <laughs> they basically came to the house. Uh, uh, what was that uh, official visit? And uh, no, before my official visit, I think. So this was during during uh, football season. I think they came to the house. My mom will never forget the story, but uh, they just had come from, uh, I think, Low Country, uh, down in where Charleston or something like that, visiting a player. And then they came back through on the way back to Clemson, and they stopped by the house. And a uh, long road trip for them. So Rick Stock still, you know, we always love Rick, man. Rick was just uh, 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 a good talker. And he was one of those guys that very charismatic that, you know, felt that uh uh you know he was the guy you know what i mean yeah so kind of hard to explain but uh you know he remembered everybody's name uh remembered uh you know uh my sister's sister's name which is just crazy to me uh remembered my stats from the the, the week or two before and uh, just kind of one of those guys that knew he was talking about man and just like i said he reminds me of Dabo a good bit man just just really into it but anyways um so they were there for probably about 30 minutes. We're sitting there talking, parents just asking questions. They were just, you know, talking about where they'd been, how their drive was and all that. And we were watching football, I, I think, that day. And then, uh, you know, we had stopped talking. And then, uh, you know, Tommy Bowden starts uh, taking off his shoes. And we're like, <laughs> what, is, what is happening here? And he straight up takes off his shoes puts his arms behind his head and he kicks back on the couch, puts his feet up on the table. And my mom was like, Oh no. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> yeah. She was like, no, no, sir. And then, uh, you know, Rick, you know, collateral damage here. He said, man, it's okay. It's just been a long ride, blah, 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 blah. And we're going to go now. And she was like, yeah, yeah. Y'all can leave. And so, uh, it was, uh, I think it was a funny, surreal moment. But uh, like I said, again, my parents just love Rick Stocks to the death. My mom, uh, not so much for, for <laughs> love for Tommy. But uh, I just think it's just one of those funny, funny things, man. I mean, long day on the recruiting trail, man. You're trying to get a kid to come there. Uh, like I said, late Sunday afternoon, I believe it was. And he ends up kicking up his feet on the coffee table. My mom was like, nah. <laughs> Nah, guy, nah. So I just think that's funny. So. She, she literally, she told him to take his feet off of her table. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, man, why would you? Why would you? But you could see. I mean, like I said again, man. Uh, uh, we, you know, it's you know, long. They had a long drive, man. It's like two and a half hours coming from Charleston. I think they came from Low Country, but anyways, uh, you know, they they were just kind of set up, relaxed. And, uh, yeah, you don't put your feet up on somebody's coffee table. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think that's funny. But, th- uh, but yeah. I thought you were going to tell me he, he started – he went down for a nap. He might have he been closing his eyes. Like I said, he was, uh, <laughs> he was, he was getting relaxed for sure. So I just, I just thought that was funny. But, uh, but, yeah, that's one of the things, you know, my mom to this day still talks about that. She doesn't, she doesn't like that very much. But I just think it's, I just think it's funny. So. And yet you still but, yeah. went to Clemson. Still went to Clemson. Like I said, man, my parents were really cool about, uh, you know, the whole ordeal. Uh, obviously, first uh, person in my family to go to a major Division One college and, you know, graduate and all that good stuff. But uh, they wanted me to enjoy, 
the college life and they wanted me to make my own decisions and, you know, uh, go from there. So, uh, that's, that's what I did, man. I made my decision to go to Rick Stock Steel and, you know, be a part of it. And, uh, like I said, man, all things considered, I had a great time and, you know, we did, uh, accomplished some great things and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Enjoyed my time and, uh, it's been good. So, you know, it's, uh, like I said, I wouldn't. Whatever, if I had a chance to do it, I probably would change a few things. But like I said, life lessons, and I'll be able to take everything that I learned from Clemson and did at Clemson into my real life, which I have. And uh, like I said, man, you know, you got one of those uh, great quotes out there, and basically uh, talking about sports and how you can give your all, but nothing's guaranteed. I mean, that's just that's that's basically life. So uh, you know, if you could if you can make it um, playing a sport, you can definitely make it in life. Cause it has the same ups and downs and the same joys and sorrows. And, you know, it's just kind of one of the things you got to pick yourself up by the bootstraps when you're down and, and continue to fight and move forward. You said you would change a few things if you could, what would those be? <laughs> I'd probably make myself a little bit taller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, high school sports, sports report had me listed that I think like six one. So I definitely, uh, <laughs> I definitely like to, to be that. And then, uh, you know, I probably would have, uh, uh, probably done a few few different other things but uh, like i said i had a great college career and uh you know uh the addition of james davis coming to the backfield man that was really cool because <clears throat> i've always split time when i was at clemson so like i said my sophomore year uh usually kelly Dwayne, uh coleman uh kyle browning uh then that next year james davis was in the mix and then that following year was cj so like i said hey, we always had a crowded backfield but we had some really good talent so um you know um, just awesome experience being able to, to play with those guys and, uh, like I said, be a part of uh, uh, Clemson, uh, you know, just Clemson royalty, I guess. That's just really cool. Had the portal been around then, you you would have been gone probably, right? Uh, you know what? I, I, I say probably, but, uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe okay. not. Like I said, I enjoy. I enjoyed my time, and I, I enjoyed the battle. I enjoyed the uh, camaraderie, man, that I just shared with uh, James and CJ. So, man, I, I had an awesome time, uh, you know, at Clemson. I don't think I really would have would have changed much, but you know, uh, definitely being uh, <laughs> definitely being part of uh, a crowded backfield like that uh, uh, will make you uh, uh, think twice about <laughs> coming to Clemson. But like I said again, I had an awesome time wouldn't change much um but uh man just uh the offense that we had and then you know uh us uh you know losing um uh oh my gosh i think his name he ended up going to uh virginia tech and we got uh rob spence you know being a part of that offense with rob spence and you know a few other guys man like i said it was, it was cool we enjoyed our time um but man, we had what three different coordinators and Five years. Yeah, so. Kane got fired uh, after the yeah. 04 season, which would have been your four, <laughs> sophomore season. Right. So, man, just a, a, a weird deal. <laughs> a weird deal there. So, I, I, I honestly think, you know, Kane was a great coordinator. I mean, he's the one that basically fixed our run game and did all that. But, you know, watching uh, a struggle uh, at Duke – 
uh, after beating Miami, you know, it makes you scratch your head a little bit and see what, what why were we doing what we were doing. So I don't know. It's just a lot between the lines there. What did Coach Burns say to you after the South Carolina game? You said that he talked to you. What did he say? Yeah, Coach Burns was saying just just encouraging me, man, not to uh, you know uh, not to have my head down. It wasn't my fault. And uh, just just being a coach, man, you know, uh, he was always that guy was like a, a warrior. You know what I mean? And coach Burns would always say, I wish they would just let me and the, the other opposing coach line up at the 50 to decide this game or knock them out. You know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> silly stuff like that. So, but, uh, but yeah, we just enjoyed our time, man. And like I said, man, Coach Burns is one of those guys that, uh, you know, was always in, the, in your corner and uh, was, was there to help no matter what. Well, I remember, Reggie, I think the first time I talked to you was when you were a player at North Augusta. I, was, I wrote for the Augusta Chronicle, interviewed yep. you after a game over there, and I can verify you were not six foot one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, I, I, I never would have thought that I would still know you, I guess, 20, uh, 23 years later, 20, 22 years later. So it's been a, a pleasure knowing you, and I really appreciate you sharing your time, especially, especially on a game day here. Have fun tonight, man. Oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome, dude. Like I said, man, Clemson needs this one kind of bad. So, like I said, we'll, we'll see what they can put together. But uh, hopefully, it's a, hopefully it's a good show. All right, thanks to Reggie for sharing his very valuable time with us. Also, really appreciate the support of our sponsors for continuing to help make this happen. And, of course, thanks to every single one of you for listening. Really appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs>